The day-to-day pours forth speech. Night-to-night reveals knowledge. Go back and read that 19th Psalm. Go back and read every testimony of the Scripture to creation. In other words, every time the, the Bible says, listen, God is the one who did these things, and then realize, according to Romans 10, according to God's eternal word on it, that this is the word of Christ being proclaimed. The Bible opens, or I should say the gospel opens in John with, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word who became flesh dwelt among us. All things were created through him, and apart from him, nothing was created that has been created. When we see who the creator is, it is Jesus Christ. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study in the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Heed the Glad Tidings. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We've got to hear the voice of Christ and we hear it when the word of Christ is proclaimed. And the Holy Spirit brings it home to hearts. And the focal point of it all is Jesus Christ. Christ, not a church. That's not my message. Christ, not a philosophy, a Christian philosophy. You know, if we'd all just do unto others, what a world this would be. If we'd just do unto others as they'd do, as we'd have them do unto That's nice talk, but that's not the gospel. Because we're not trying to make this what a world this would be if we were just more like, no, that's a tangent, you might say. Now, don't misunderstand me. When you come to Christ, you are to do unto others as you'd have them do to you. But Christ is the message, not a religion, not a philosophy, not a system of thought, Christ. And you know, that goes initially and that goes continually. And let me just stop and remind you of that, Christians, because we're not to go beyond Christ. Initially, Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But then we don't just say, okay, now we've got that. Now we move on. Uh, The whole life of the Christian is a life of faith, and faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. That's why when we open our scripture, we're not just getting religious data. We're hearing from Christ. We're hearing about Christ. We're hearing the word of Christ. And Paul said, you know, I worry for you, Corinthians, he said in 2 Corinthians 11. Lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and devotion and purity of devotion to Christ. Christ. You know, some Christians get off on this tangent or that tangent and they kind of lose sight of Christ and they wonder why they begin to shrivel up and bear no fruit. And maybe they're off into their favorite doctrine or their favorite practice of the church. And they say, we we, we have a fellowship based around, you know, we just have their certain little thing. But they lose sight of Christ. And they lose sight of the dynamic, the reality, the alpha and the omega. He's it. We need to grow in Christ. That's why he says in Colossians 2.8, he says, see to it. He's talking to Christians. See to it that no one take you captive by empty philosophy and the vain ideas of man, rather than according to Christ. That's why when you pick up your Bible this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, ask God to show you His Son. 
Ask God to open up more beauty of Christ as you read from Genesis to Revelation. It is the word of Christ that we feed on. That's why Paul said at the end of his life, Oh, that I might know Christ. Well, he knew Christ, you say. Yeah, he knew Christ. He knew Christ like few know Christ. But his burden was to know him better. Oh, that I might know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Faith comes from hearing. And Christian, I would just want to stop and remind you that your faith will grow. And faith is what it's all about. We're to live by faith. And uh, your faith will grow as you feed on his word, as you listen, as you hear it proclaimed. That's why it isn't just kind of some religious things we do when we get together and hear the word of Christ. This is God's means of causing our faith to grow. And, of course, initiating faith if you're here without Christ. You hear of Christ and the Holy Spirit says this is true. He is the truth. You need to believe in him. And the miracle of regeneration takes place when Christ is proclaimed. But I say, verse 18, surely they've never heard, have they? Israel hasn't heard this. They've never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Not only has Israel heard, but all of mankind has heard. Now it's interesting to watch how he argues here. Because these great haunting questions of addressed to us Christians to proclaim the gospel are never going to be used by the unrepentant sinner to say, nobody told me. Oh, no. That's, that's a perversion of this. And somebody says, well, they've never heard, though. Oh, yes, they have, he says. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. And what's he quoting there in verse 18? Do you recognize it? It's the 19th Psalm. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. This is right back to Romans 1. Look back there. Start back at the beginning and watch how Paul ties this together. Romans 1, verse 20. You see, God's righteousness and the gospel of God for all who believe, Jew, Gentile, is never represented in such a way that man will be able to point his finger at God. The truth of the matter is, God is the righteous one and we are the unrighteous ones. And in fact, look what he says, verse 20, since the creation of the world, the heavens have been declaring. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been declared, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they, who... The race, all of us, are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Oh, you say, I've never really heard this. Oh, yes, you have. The day-to-day pours forth speech. Night-to-night reveals knowledge. Go back and read that 19th Psalm. Go back and read every testimony of the scripture to creation. In other words, every time the the Bible says, listen, God is the one who did these things, and then realize, according to Romans 10, according to God's eternal word on it, that this is the word of Christ being proclaimed. It isn't just a vague creation God. 
No. The Bible opens, or I should say the gospel opens in John with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word who became flesh dwelt among us. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was created that has been created. When we see who the Creator is, it is Jesus Christ. Turn over to Acts 14 and watch how, uh, and we do this in missionary work and in evangelism. We proclaim not just a little side issue when we proclaim Christ. We're proclaiming God, the Creator, the Redeemer. He's made Himself known in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. And so over in Acts 14, Paul talking to people without any background, really, uh, who were busy trying to to start, you know, because they saw the power and dynamic of Paul and Barnabas, they began to start to kind of worship them and start to call them Barnabas and Zeus and stuff. Uh, uh, not Barnabas and Zeus, who was it? Uh, Zeus and Hermes, you know, they they, they identified Barnabas as, as Zeus and Paul as Hermes and, and started to put heathen gods, gods of man's imaginations on the apostles and Paul and Barnabas when they heard of it, verse 14 of chapter 15, or of chapter 14, excuse me. When they, when they heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We're also men of the same nature as you, and we preach the gospel to you in order that you might turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. You see, the missionary, when he goes out, he never has to start from ground zero. He says, listen, you're, you've got a twisted idea of God. God is the one who created you, and every time it rains, it's from His hand. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to announce to you the good news of who that Creator is. It is Jesus Christ. The Word of Christ goes out with that double dynamic of He is the Creator and He is the Redeemer. And Paul says in Romans 10, he says, Had Israel never heard? Oh, indeed they have heard. In fact, all the nations have heard. There is the creation witness, and there is... Secondly, look at this. Come back to our text now. There's the scriptural witness. He says, oh, yes, they've heard, and he quotes the 19th Psalm. But then somebody says, well, yes, but Israel didn't understand, verse 19. They didn't know, did they? And he says, oh, yeah. And he quotes from the law and the prophets. First from the law, Deuteronomy 32. I'll make you jealous by that which is not a nation. And by a nation without understanding will I anger you. Way back in Deuteronomy, God said, Listen, Israel, if you get fat and happy and prosperous and start to think that you can uh, follow other gods, and he'd say the same thing to us today, we who know him or profess to know him and then start to get fat and happy and prosperous and start to go after other gods. And you read Deuteronomy 32 and it says they got fat and they kicked against him and they tried to make him jealous by following other gods. And he says, I'll make you jealous by a nation without understanding. See it? Verse 19, I'll make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you, Israel. What's he going to do? 
He's going to proclaim the gospel to Gentiles. He's going to find Gentiles who are not seeking him, we saw in chapter 9. And he's going to make Israel jealous by these people who weren't even seeking him who found him. He found them. And he says, I'll make you jealous, Israel. And he's going to expand on that all through chapter 11. He's going to open that up. But he just cites it here and he says, oh yeah, they not only had the creation testimony, they had scripture on it, Deuteronomy from the law and then the prophets. Isaiah is very bold, verse 20, and says, I was found by those who sought me not. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. He says, you know, even Isaiah said it. I'm going to be found by those who weren't seeking me. And he hasn't left this question of Israel and Israel's unbelief. And he says, you know, the Gentiles finding him who weren't seeking righteousness, he just reached down and saved them. That's a design of God to help woo and make jealous Israel, to bring them back to him. And then he closes. Look at verse 21. As for Israel, he says, all the day long... I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. I repeat it. Israel's failure was a failure of unbelief. It's a hard issue. Hebrews tells us, chapter 3, verse 12, that unbelief is the product of an evil heart. Take care, brethren, lest there be found in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief. You see, unbelief is culpable. Failing to believe God's testimony, you're guilty before him. And he says, Israel's failure, make no mistake, is not because of God's sovereignty or because, oh, no, Israel's failure is laid on their own doorstep. All unbelief someday, Jew or Gentile. You leave this room and you spurn Christ someday. You might be able to explain it away today. Well, I never understood it. It wasn't explained to me well enough. Or I still see some contradictions or whatever you want to do. But someday you'll see squarely where unbelief came from. It's irrational. It's insane. It's the product of an evil heart. It's the product of sin. And God says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands. Look at that verse. To a disobedient and obstinate people. You know, he's quoting from the Septuagint, uh, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And oftentimes the apostles and Jesus were working out of a translation, by the way, you know. uh, And they'd quote it as scripture. And the Holy Spirit here takes the Septuagint rendering of Isaiah 65, verse 1 is verse 20, and verse 2 of 65 is verse 21. And he says, they're a disobedient and obstinate people. Obstinate, contradictory, anti-legao. It's the idea of against his word and saying things contrary to what it's, it's often translated, just contradict, to just disagree and just be obstinate about it. A disobedient and obstinate people. But you know, you go back and you read Isaiah 65 in our English version, which is translated from the Hebrew, and you go right back to the Hebrew Old Testament scripture here, and it says, these rebellious, obstinate, disobedient people are those who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. 
What a description of unbelief today. Walk, which way? The way that is not good. Why? Because I do my own thing. I follow my own thoughts. I just can't submit to a God who blah, blah, blah. That's the 21st century. Following their own thoughts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own vaunted understanding. Your mind is darkened. It's blinded by sin and Satan. Don't you lean on your own logic, your own understanding of things. I can't figure it out. Listen, you're not asked to figure God out. He's a God of love and mercy who gave his son for you. He shed his blood on your behalf. And all day long, he's got his arms stretched out. Don't you be disobedient and obstinate, are you? Are you just following your own way, your own thoughts, going your own way? Don't. Don't. It seems to me, as I read this last verse, and it's, of course, not the last. I mean, he's going to keep going. He's not done with this subject, but as we come to a close, I can't help but see what a, what a statement it is to every person here. If you don't know Christ, then you've been up to now following your own way. You've ignored the testimony of creation. You've ignored the testimony of Scripture. You've heard the good news announced to you this morning. Don't ignore it any longer. Don't ignore it. Maybe God has been working and you've been seeing, you've been realizing this beauty that we see, this balance of creation. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. You've been seeing it and you're awakening. I say, come to Christ. I've announced to you today the report, the good news. Believe in Jesus Christ. Call on His name and you'll be saved. Have done with your obstinance and your contradicting God and your little, maybe just quiet voice that just says, I, I, I just can't do that or I won't do that. You quit that. You just stop that and you say, Lord, I need you. You cry out to him and you'll be saved and you'll have the joy of forgiveness. All day long, he's got his arms stretched out, but I don't know how long that's going to last. I know one thing. The message of Scripture is not all eternity long he's waiting. It's all day long. Night is coming. That's the message of Scripture. And life is over just like that. Oh, non-Christian, don't you begin to presume on this all day long. You've heard this all your life, you think, some of you. I've got time. I'm still young. I want to do my own thing. You don't know how long you've got. All day long is just up till now, but night is coming. And Christian, let's think about this. Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. All all my life I've had the opportunity to evangelize. I want to get trained in that someday, and I want to overcome some of my... Listen, you don't know how long you've got. I know one thing. Night is coming when no one can work. Well, I want to get more money and get my house in order before I use it for the gospel's sake. You may not have that time, and it's disobedient to wait around for that time. Get it on the altar now. Today, use your resources for sending the gospel. We know one thing if we know anything, and that's we're one day closer than we were yesterday. Now your salvation is nearer to you than when you believed, he's going to say in this same book. And if we sit on our resources, if we squander what we have, if we fail to listen to these questions, how are they going to hear if we don't tell them? Well, that's good. That was a good missionary message. 
or whatever. No, he's saying, listen, today, use your resources for the Lord. Don't put it off. You know, it'd be foolish, would it not, to be out in the woods and an experienced person out in the woods as he's far from camp, and uh, but he can still see everything. But, you know, the sun's going down, but it's still nice and warm. He, if he's experienced at all, he says, hey, we got to watch the clock here. we got to watch the sun because it won't be long and it's going to be dark out here. And we're going to be stumbling around and it won't be quite so easy to find our way back to camp. And we'll be out here in the dark all night if we don't manage the time. What do you think Jesus was saying? Night is coming. We see it approaching. You see the thunderclouds on the horizon. We don't know how much time we've got. We know the scripture says, yet in a very little time, while he who is coming will come and will not delay. We can't, we don't have the luxury of just sitting around saying, oh, it's okay. We got time. We may not have time. We don't know. We just know that he said he commissioned us. Take this gospel. Go do it. Make disciples of all the nations. How are they going to hear if you don't tell them? And how are they going to tell if we don't send them? Don't let this be a back burner issue. All day long, he's stretching out his hands, and we can be part of that now. But there's coming a day when his arms will not be outstretched. There's coming a day when the head of the house is going to get up and close the door, the Scripture says. And woe to those who are on the outside who procrastinated as an unbeliever. And, oh, the tragedy of Christians casually not caring not having any of the heart of God. You know, you carry that spectrum out far enough, and obviously, as you watch the callous, cold heart of a Christian, you know, and you go further down that spectrum, and pretty soon you have to say, if you read your Bible at all, you say, I wonder if they have the heart of God. There's no connection here. They don't seem to have any of the heartbeat of God. There's a real good question then whether they know God, whether there's been that new birth. And I say not they now, I say you. If you can sit sat, you know, silently by and just casually just live for yourself, when God's whole heartbeat is to proclaim His Son, you have every reason to say, I wonder if I really know Him. Don't be disobedient and obstinate, following your own way, doing your own thing, when God sent His Son to die for us. And when He proclaimed and told us and commissioned us, go, tell them announce the good news. Ah, they don't always listen. That's not your job to worry about. You go tell them. You go proclaim the gospel. You send. You give. You do whatever you can to get this good news out. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Heed the Glad Tidings, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called, A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. 
But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're excited to report that the Romans Project is expanding rapidly into the countries of India, Nepal, Thailand, and Cambodia. We invite you to click on the link for the Romans Project on the front page of our website at downtownbible.org. There you'll find monthly updates, testimonies, and images from Romans Project outreach around the world. To learn more, navigate to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. God has not rejected His people, has He? Whom He foreknew? May it never be. May it never be. God foreknew Israel. Now, we rejoiced in this, didn't we? As individual believers back in chapter 8, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom He predestined, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also glorified. God, His foreknowledge, and I don't mean just looking down the pipeline, seeing what's going to happen. No, He knew Israel from all eternity. He knew us, and He saves those who are His own. And his eternal purposes that I'm quoting out of Romans 8 that are true of the individual, he brings that same vocabulary here and uses it, notice, of Israel, the nation. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, God's Remnant. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 